All right. And all God's people said? Amen. Praise report. Amen. Ain't nothing like them arrows and grand arrows and church arrows. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Let's jump in the living oracles of God, the word of God. Where are we at right now? What are we up to? Where have we been reading? In the gospel according to Matthew. Today we're up to chapter number 8, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. We're going to dig in it today in the first few verses of it and this great message that Jesus gives us that we've just read through in our reading on the Sermon on the Mount, probably some of the greatest uh, words ever delivered uh, from the mouth of man to man, from the mouth of God to us. And what a standard this message has elevated for us. I'm just thankful that we live in a world that we get to operate in two realms. And what I mean by two realms, we have a the realm that we live within, but we are fortunate to have a king over a heavenly kingdom who is both king over heaven and earth. And we function within a world, in a natural world, and we have to recognize that not only do we function in this natural world, but we have a supernatural world that we get to operate within and that world has a king over it, and his name is Jesus. And what the Sermon on the Mount really is, is the standards or the ways of the kingdom of heaven. I imagine as you've been reading through Matthew's gospel, you notice this already, that Matthew continues to bring up this idea about the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some gospels refer to the kingdom of God. Matthew's going to do that as well. But exclusively to Matthew's gospel, he refers to it again and again, Pam, as the kingdom of heaven. And that goes back to the fact that Matthew, as led by the Holy Spirit of God, when he wrote this letter, he was directing it to the Jews in particular. That was the audience of this letter the Jews, and it was establishing to them that this Jesus, this Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God, is the King. He is God's King, and He is their King, and God sent Him to be their King. That's why when we trace the lineage back that we read about in the first few chapters, it took us back to what? Abraham establishing the reign of the nation of Israel. When you go to Luke's gospel, Luke's going to take us all the way back to Adam. And it's going to establish that, that Jesus being the second Adam in the sense that he's our redeemer and that we have a redeemer for the Gentiles like the Jews had a redeemer for themselves. Each gospel had an audience and Luke's gospel was written in with with Gentile people in mind. That's why he will explain certain things more in depth about customs and stuff where Matthew doesn't. Matthew didn't have to. Why? Because he was writing to an audience that would understand what the custom was. So when we read these things as Jesus has been doing 
uh, marvelous miracles among the people. And there's going to be more things that he does. There were things that he did that Matthew's gospel doesn't put in a chronological flow like Mark's gospel or Luke's gospel would. We're going to see in Matthew, he kind of jumps a little bit. And he's going to bring in some thoughts and he's going to bring in some ideas that doesn't flow in a natural chronological order like Luke intended to do, nor like Mark's gospel, which is a fast-moving gospel. Luke's gospel is going to give us an orderly account. He tells us that up front. I want to give you an orderly account of what Jesus did, step by step through his life, where Matthew, on the other hand, he didn't set out to do that. He extended it out. It's the longest of the Gospels. And he didn't deal with certain things to the Jew when he wrote it because he knew that they would understand it. And Jesus has been healing people. Jesus has been touching people. But remember, his good things that he did, he had something greater he was about to teach. The grand things that he did in people's lives, he had, he had something that was more wonderful that he was going to unveil. What his purpose in coming was, was to reveal the truth to them and the ways of the kingdom. And this is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 are some very hard, challenging things. Things that you and I cannot live out. We can't live the standard of Chapters 5, 6, and 7, the standard of the kingdom of heaven. We are grateful, though, that Jesus was able to live it. Amen? Amen. And when we trust him, those standards are actually lived out by him. And that doesn't neglect the fact that we, in Christ, and Christ living in us, desires to live out these standards. But it's not something that we have to hit with perfection to be saved by the glory of God. Jesus fulfilled all that for us. And when we trust him with our life, we can't help but celebrate and give him glory. Amen. Amen. So no matter who's leading the country that we live in, no matter who is going to be elevated to the place of leadership in the White House or over the state of Mississippi or over the state of Alabama or over the state of Louisiana or throughout this world, we operate within a natural realm, but we have a high king who's over it all. Amen. And this is what we want to glean out of this. Sometimes we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to do next. Have you been there? Are you there right now? What do we do next? Where do we go from here? Well, uh, if you wasn't here Sunday night, we, we looked at a couple things on Sunday evening. I shared it. You can go listen to it about our role and our assignment as missionaries in the kingdom, no matter what, no matter what happens in each and each day, who, no matter who's leading, what is our responsibility? What is our assignment? And we looked at a few passages of scripture of what the scriptures teaches us to do when we're to pray for those who are in authority and who are in power. We are those missionaries who know that men can't be saved without Jesus. So we keep doing what we've been called to do. Do we want to do it quietly and in peace? And all God's people said. But even if we can't do it quietly in peace, do we still keep doing it? Yes, we continue to do what God's called us to do. So in this phase we in as Americans... And in this phase that we're in as a American who is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, I still take my marching orders from my king on what he expects and calls me to do. And I just keep my eyes on him. And there's nothing wrong with me coming before him saying, Lord, I don't know what to do next. 
We seem to be outnumbered. The enemy's right around us everywhere we turn in everyday life, whether we have somebody in the White House that you approve of or somebody you disapprove of, no matter how you look at it, we're all in a journey and this world is anti-Christ no matter who sits on the throne, amen, and that we have a life to live, a king to elevate, a name to magnify, and we're going to keep praising his name, preaching his good news, and watching him do things in people's life that only he can explain. Amen? And give him the glory for it. That, that's what we, what we do. We trust him with our life. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Has it been easy? No. Will it be easy? No. I mean, the Christian life or the disciple life is an impossible life. Apart from Christ living it in us and through us for his glory. Amen? It ain't a difficult thing or a hard thing. It's an impossible thing. It's just impossible for us. And this is what this Sermon on the Mount uh, reveals to us. Let me give you a, a passage of the scripture to, to write down. We, we, we talked about this on different occasions in the past. But Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. There was a king by the name of Jehoshaphat that had three nations coming up against him. Three nations. They're 25 miles away. They're sitting in the cab right now. I mean, they in the cab. Just think about it. The cab is what? About 20, 22 to 24 miles from us. That's where the cab's at. Three nations. And they are fixing to put the hammer down on Jehoshaphat. He gets wind of it. He brings it before God. Just like we're to do. What does the scripture say? We're to pray. And we're to pray for every man, all men. We're to pray. And we're to lift up what? Holy hands. Holy hands with no fear and no doubting, with no animosity and no anxiety within our heart. That we entrust our lives, we entrust our country, we entrust this world, we entrust the plan of God to God, and we come with clean, holy hands before Him. And we yield that over to Him. And we keep doing what we do. And this is what he said. Lord, we need you to work. There are too many for us. And now think about that for a moment. You know how many military men, warriors, valiant warriors that Jehoshaphat had in his military? He had over a million man army. And he told the Lord they have more power. They have more number. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. And I want to tell you, that's the solution to anything you face in life. You realize whether you have a million or you have one, remember, we serve a God that does not consider the odds. If God be for you, who can be against you? You can have a million against 5,000 and those 5,000 will put a million on the run. It's just that simple when you're serving the Lord. Now you can have 5,000 and you fighting against the million and God to put those million on the run and God to fight the battle for you when, when the Lord's fighting the battle. But they reminded God of his goodness, of his grace, of his faithfulness, of his glory, of his promises. They prayed and they gave it to him. They fasted and called on God. And they said these three things. Lord, you got to work. They're too much for us to deal with. We don't know what to do next in this. So we're waiting to hear for you and our eyes are fixed upon you. 
And I want to tell you, that's how we ought to live everyday life. Amen. Amen. Lord, this old world we live in, this day that we're about to face, we don't have solutions for it. It's too much for us. What does the scripture say? Look, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own trouble. Today has its own trouble. We just need to look to the Lord. We need to lean in on him, listen to what he says, and then walk in what he gives us and let him take care of the rest. Amen. That's how we to live every day. It's a great passage to look at and, and glean. And, and I say that because we have no idea still what's yet to happen within our nation. We live in a, we live in a hostile, volatile world. Y'all, y'all seen it before. You know how things can be turned upside down. Uh, in, in just a split second. All it takes is one word, one person, one thing, something like that. We've seen cities uh, being burned overnight. We've seen different things. And, and th- this happens all around the world. Happens all around the world. And the sad thing is it's happened more and more where? In our land, in our land. And, and, and we've got we've to see that. We recognize that. And I'm both a citizen of this land and a citizen of heaven. So as a citizen of heaven, I've got to think about and ask a couple of questions in my daily life. Number one, I've got to ask Nick, we have to ask ourselves, is it more important for me, is it more important for me to be right? Or is it more important for me to have my rights? Or is it more important for me to have the right kind of influence in the life that God's given me? Is it more important for me to be right or to have the right kind of influence? Is it more important for me to have my rights or have the right kind of influence? Because see, we're talking about a citizen of America or whatever land we're in. Because I want to tell you the word of God is not... Confined to us in America. And all God's people say, oh, aren't we glad for that? That is beneficial, it's profitable for people all over the world. There have been a lot of people for a long time walking in the Word of God long before America even was known of. So everything in prophetic scripture and history ain't centered around America, ain't centered around us. Matter of fact, the spirit of prophecy is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything's centered around who? Who's it centered around? Not us, but who? Jesus. Jesus. And I see that's where we then go from thinking as a citizen of this country to a citizen of heaven. That everything I see and hear and read, I got to bring Jesus into view. I got to ask God to give me a view of Jesus in this. Let me see what he's doing. Because every spirit of prophecy, of prophetic word is centered around Christ. And I need to know. One, I got to be able to identify God at work. I've got to be able to identify when God's doing something. I've got to be able to identify at work in me. Why? Because I want to have more than anything the right kind of influence in this life that he's given me. That's where I go from being just a a natural, normal citizen to realizing that I'm a citizen of heaven. And as a citizen of heaven, God would tell me it's more important for me to have the right kind of influence to be right than to be right on everything in this life I live. What I mean by that on the job tomorrow could be today, could be tonight, could be in your home. If you're not careful, if you'll fight for what you think is right to the point of death, 
you're going you're to miss the mark in having the right kind of influence upon the people that God's put in your life to be a blessing to. You think about Jesus for an example. I mean, he's teaching us some very difficult, challenging things. Do y'all think Jesus, every person he talked to, every place he went, every city he walked through, every business and establishment that he dealt with, every home that he visited, do you think he encountered darkness? Do you think he encountered wrongness? Do you think he encountered people who were were deep in dark sin at every interval of his life, at every phase of the journey? Do you think he was bombarded by sin on a daily basis? So every conversation he had with somebody, I guarantee you he could have corrected them and got them right and fixed what they were saying because we even get to see some of these dialogues. And there's times where he did, but he always did it in a way that he had the right kind of influence on people. The right kind of influence because that is what made the difference in the purpose of his coming. Their way of thinking in that darkness didn't affect him. Didn't get him off course. Now, it'll get me and you off course, won't it? You hear somebody say something, and they say, and you hear what they say, and boy, it's way off, and you're thinking, oh, man, you don't know how to rebound off of that. Then you get defensive, and when you get defensive, then you, then you, then you start putting the hammer down on, on your rights and what you think is right, and now you done lost your ability to rightly influence that person. Are you with me? And you see, the Sermon on the Mount is going to help us with that. Why? One of the characteristics of those that identify with God, one of them is, is that they're peacemakers and they're pure in heart. And when people see us, what do they do? They identify us as being sons of God. Let's just read this passage and, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump in. I'm going to give you some other places to look. But it begins in verse number one of chapter number five. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called or identified as the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kind of evil things against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you today that we can gather together as your people. 
as your servants, as your disciples, learning about your kingdom, your dominion, your realm, your reign over our lives and what you expect, your standards and the uh, how to identify those who are blessed and those who are are walking with you and identifying with you. I thank you for this revelation of this message that you uh, proclaimed on that hillside that day to your people. And I'm just thankful that we can hear it again and again and that we can ask you to make it apply to our everyday lives. And we're going to praise you and we're going to give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the scripture says that when Jesus saw the multitudes, you got to keep in mind, he had, he had been doing some things. He'd been healing some people. He'd been feeding some people. People had been coming out to him. He took an opportunity. He took an opportunity to um, do some teaching. And the scripture says that when he saw this multitude come to him, he went up on a mountain. Now, we got to keep in mind, mountains over there are not like mountains in Colorado. It would be more like a, a hillside. If you was look at the elevation there in uh, Jerusalem, what the elevation was and what the, what the elevation on, say, Mount Olive, for an example, it's not much higher than what it would be here. So you're looking at a, 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 not a major mountain. I've been over there myself. I was over there prior to me knowing anything about the Lord but as I think back and as I ponder when we would go and climb these hills, it would be very similar to riding on the, the other side of Kemper County. You know, you got some deep ridges over there and you got some bottoms over there. We're over here in this flat part on this side, but you get over on the other side, there are some pretty good steep hills and it would be very similar. And Jesus saw the multitudes coming, so he gets up in a position that was somewhat elevated and he began to teach them about the kingdom of heaven. He began to teach them about the ways that he operates in. And what we see in these passages are really uh, the work of what he does within a person when he changes a person. Because none of these, none of these can be the product of natural man of his own. Amen. It just can't be. Man naturally is not poor in spirit. The natural inclination of all of us is that we were all born uh, with a disposition in us to what? Uh, pursue things for ourselves. We were all self-centered in every aspect of our life. You take these little, you take Palmelita. Does Palmelita like what she likes already? If her sister takes something from her, do they, does, is she already willing to fight with her over it? Will she? Like if you take that bottle from her right now, she's going to let you know she's disappointed with you. She's entertained with me now. Yes, why? Because we were born that way. We were born with that kind of nature. Pride is in every single one of us. And pride is always swelling us up to defend ourselves, to fight for what we believe is ours, what we believe is our right. And the scripture says that the blessed man, the heavenly blessed man, or, or we can say it like this, the heavenly happy man is those who are 
poor in spirit, those who are needy in spirit, who've been brought to a place where they've been deflated in their spirit. Pride has been deflated out of them. Something supernatural has been taking place within them. And the scripture says, not that the kingdom will be theirs, but the kingdom what? is there. See, that's evidence right there that if the kingdom is theirs, how does the Bible say that a man, the only way a man could be, uh, see the kingdom of God, he's got to be what? He's got to be what? He's got to be born again. He's got to be born from above. So we're talking about in this particular, blessed is the man that's born again, and the man that's born again has been uh, deflated of his self-existence, his own pride of getting it done himself. He's poor and needy in spirit. And God has done something within that person. So we're talking about when we read these particular things that he refers to in this Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about people who belong to the kingdom. People who have been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. And these people are blessed and they heavenly blessed and we're going to see how that affects them in their daily journey, in their daily life. So blessed is the man who is poor in spirit. Heavenly blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the foundation of it. Let me give you a couple passages of scripture to write down. And we, we may go look at them uh, just for a minute. Uh, look in uh, or write down Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Let me give you a couple of them. Isaiah 61, 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 2, James 3, James 3, because we're going to see dynamics of wisdom at work within these blessed, heavenly blessed individuals. Tonight we'll, we'll carry this on and continue to look at it. Because it's going to play into our everyday living. Everyday living. Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, 20. Isaiah 44, 20. Second Samuel. We was just in Second Samuel. Second Samuel 22. And we'll... We'll look at a couple of these in a, in a moment. Notice, if you would, in verse number 10. Verse 3 said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When, you are, when we realize just how needful and depleted we are, that we, we do not, life doesn't center around us. See, humanistic thinking is, life is all about me. And when God does a work in us, Pam, he, he changes that. See, I can, I, me and Brother Shannon was talking yesterday, he called, and we were talking about this. How many of you ever changed your behavior in a, in a thing? Anybody ever changed their behavior? You can change your behavior. A parent can help you change your behavior. You know, with a good old leather strap. You know, when you're acting up. The law can change your behavior, can't it? Tommy, you ever been running about 85 mile an hour and you saw that blue state trooper car out there? Did he change what you was doing? What'd you do? Did you get on the brake? You see, 
And if you get too many of those tickets and you know they start piling up, you start considering, all right, my behavior pattern in this is just going to get me more and more in trouble, cost me more money, so I'm going to change my behavior. Men can change their behavior, but they can't change their nature. You can't change your nature. There's only one, one person that can change the nature of a man, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He transforms our nature. That's what the Bible refers to as being born again. What the Bible refers to as being made a new creature in Christ Jesus. He changes the nature of a person. Not just their behavior. Now, when he changes their nature, would that affect their behavior? Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. That's what we see in these passages here. But to have your nature change, you have to be born again. you got to be born from above. And that is through the redeeming grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He changes our nature. And that nature then is in a position to identify with God himself. Up to that point, we can't identify with God. We're not peacemakers. We're naturally defenders and fighters and want to defend ourselves and our rights. But when God does a work in us and changes the nature of a man, that man who had trouble forgiving people now becomes merciful. That man who uh, wasn't clean in all his doings now can become pure and clean when he talks to somebody about a situation. That man who had trouble reconciling with somebody that crossed them now is able to be a peacemaker and bring peace in the situations. Why? They're not, not, not just their behavior, but God's changed their nature. He's changed their nature. And that's where the poor in spirit, their nature has been changed by God's grace. That who was at enmity with God as the scripture says, doesn't the Bible tell us that we were all at what? When we were living in death, we were at what? Enmity in God. We were naturally rebellious toward the things of God. We figured we had a, a better solution to life. We didn't need God. Oh, but when Jesus and by the power of his spirit goes to work in us, Miss Pat, he does something in us where we realize just how needy and what need we have, and we need to be rescued. And we know that there's only one who rescues, and that one is the Lord Jesus, and we cast our life upon, upon him. Uh, look over in Isaiah 61. Go to Isaiah 61. We'll just, we'll just start there. I mentioned verse 10 just a minute ago because I, I brought that up. To highlight the fact that what we have is the bookends of this of these beatitudes, the bookends. It said, "Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God." In verse ten, what did it say? "Blessed are they that are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God." Because see, Miss Pat. When that nature change takes place in us and God does transform us from within and he begins to change our behavior, the inevitable thing that takes place is that, Keith, we're moving toward a life that is countercultural to the world we live in. 
And seeing that is counterculture to the world we live in, this world we live in is not going to always value that nature change in us and the fact that we are peacemakers, that we are merciful, that we are clean and, and pure in our dealings, that we are meek and that we do hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you know what that does? It leads to them disliking us. We become unsavory to them. And as a result, you, you are persecuted. So the bookends of the Beatitudes is this. God does a work in you where you're poor in spirit, and that poor in spirit leads to persecution. Amen. Because of the nature change and then the behavior change that follows. The bookend says that both of these people, the poor in spirit and the persecuted, for Jesus' name's sake, for his name's sake, not for things we do, but for what we do in his name, because he's done something in us, both of them have the kingdom. Amen. And that's where they head. They, everything in between is the effect of what God's done in us. That's the bookends of these beatitudes. You're going to be persecuted in this world you live in because they're not going to value the same things you value. Amen? Amen? Look in 61. Look in 61. And we'll bring this out tonight of this idea of how this 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 affects people around us just looking at Jesus in this right here this is prophetic the bible says the spirit of the lord god is upon me who is the me who is that that's jesus the spirit is the holy spirit so this is prophetic jesus says in luke chapter 4 this was him and Luke 4, Jesus stood before his own people and he says, For the Spirit of God is upon me, for God has anointed me to preach good tidings and good news to the poor. Notice what he says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has what? Anointed me, Jesus, to preach good news, good tidings, the gospel to who? The poor, the meek. The same thing we're looking at where? In the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of God. Jesus had a calling on his life, and that calling was to preach good news to who? To the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. Somebody that the Spirit of God has already been at work in, preparing them for this good news message. Jesus didn't have an anointing on his life to preach to people who were elevated in pride. We see him doing that to people. And what they do to him, Brother Shannon? They persecuted him. They, they, they didn't want nothing to do with him. They rejected him. But those who were what? Poor in spirit. They heard that message. Amen. And that message did what? Transform their life. And that transformation led to them being eventually persecuted. Why? Because they went and proclaimed a peacemaking message that belonged to Jesus. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to do what? Heal who? 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the all of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I want to tell you, if you just walk through the Beatitudes, you can find every one of them in exactly what we just read there. All of them are laid out just like that. It starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. For the kingdom is yours. Amen. Amen. You see now. We have to recognize. Is that in the today and the days ahead. I have a heavenly responsibility to be an ambassador and representative of glory. Amen. I can't do it without Jesus. Come on. I can't do it without being filled up with the Spirit. Amen. Come on. I'm not going to be a peacemaker, nor will I be clean and pure, nor will I be meek and gentle and patient. If God's kingdom ain't at work in me. Amen. Amen. You know what I'll wind up doing? I'll wind up doing like everybody else is doing. Bickering and fighting and fussing and upset over this and upset over that. And don't like this and don't like that. Wanting this and wanting that. And you know what? Nobody's going to see the right kind of influence that I ought to be having. Because I'm just looking like the rest of them. Are you with me? Come on. But if I'll... Admit to the Lord, I don't know what to do next. But my eyes are fixed on you. I need you to work in me and through me because I want to be right in what I do, but I want to have the right kind of influence in what I do. Amen? Amen. And I want to see you touch people's lives. People need the Lord. Amen? Amen? People need the Lord. And I've been given a task to bring the Lord to them. And I have an anointing. You have an anointing on your life. The same anointing that Jesus had. And that anointing is to proclaim that good news to who? The poor in spirit. So don't go fight with those that are hard-headed now. And want their way. And keep fighting and resisting. And you keep going at them. You know what? There's other people watching you. There's other people watching you. And if you're not careful, you'll tarnish your father's name. And they say, oh, he's just like everybody else. they just focusing in on this and that. And you're just beating up everybody. You know why? Because the scripture says that we are either. Now, this is where that 2 Corinthians 2. We'll come into this, 2 Samuel 22. The scripture says that we are either the aroma of life 
to some are the aroma of the death to others. Just like Jesus, he was an aroma of life to those who were poor in spirit, but those who were operating in their natural realm of hostility, he was the aroma of death. He stank. He was a stench in their nostrils. They didn't want anything to do with him. Now, if they didn't want anything to do with him, guess what? They're not going to want anything to do with you either. Amen? Amen. And you're going to stink. Come on. And that's where the idea is they're going to persecute you. Or they're going to say things about you. They're going to misuse you. They're going to mistreat you. Well, guess what? You're in pretty good company. Amen? Amen. You're in pretty good company. That's what he told them. Hey, they did it to the prophets. They did it to Moses. They did it to Jesus. Why do you not think they're not going to do it to us too? Amen. Are you with me? Come on. But remember, Jesus didn't let it affect him, did he? No. Why? He kept looking to who? He kept looking to his father. Amen. Doing what his father gave him. And he kept walking with him and walking with him. And praise God he did. Because I tell you what, if he let them trip him up, we wouldn't be here celebrating today. Amen. 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 Come on. But he just kept walking. And I want to tell you because uh, you remaining faithful to what God's given you to do, there's going to be somebody somewhere in the coming days that's going to be amongst another group of people. And they're going to say, yeah, oh, Karen, man, I watched her on the job. I watched Brittany and I watched Shannon coming into these places. I watched Tommy and Greg and Rusty and I watched them. And I want to tell you, they were humble and they were gentle. And they were clean in their dealings. And they were, they were peacemakers. And they didn't let people rouse them up. Man, they trusted in it. And I wanted to know where they got this hope from. And I got to looking into it. And I found out there was a, there was a redeemer who laid his life down for me. Even when I wasn't looking for him. Even when I didn't think I needed him. He shed his blood on my behalf. And he rescued me. Because somebody kept doing what God called them to do. Amen? For what he called them to do. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And I want to tell you, Keith, that's a pretty good resource to have. Amen? When you have the kingdom, that means you have all the blessings of the kingdom. You have all the authority of the king. You have all the, the, the message of the king. You, you're, you're, you're a messenger of the king. When we're in that position. And you have all his resources behind you to, to fulfill his purpose upon this earth. Does it get any better than that? Why do you think he prefaced it that way? Blessed. Blessed is this person. Amen. They're blessed. Why? They got the king behind them. Amen. It doesn't matter who's serving what or where. The king's behind me. The king's with me. And the king sent me to fulfill his purpose and mission. To God be the glory. Do we need to pray for our country? Do we need to pray for our leadership? Yes. Beyond question. Should we have been praying for them? Of course. Are we going to continue to pray for them? Must, whether we agree or disagree with who or what, we submit that to the Lord, don't we? Amen. Who's, in, who, who, who's the one who raises up leaders and brings down leaders? God. God does. Daniel chapter 2. 
and other places tells us pretty clear. This is all in the hands of God. Amen. I've been doing a little reading on um, the days of Jesus in the sense of uh, what the Roman Empire was like in that day. And the leaders and the authorities and the uh, ones that they delegated like uh, Herod and different ones. And, and you know, I want to tell you, when our king came to this earth and took upon flesh, he surely didn't let anything that was going on out there determine on what he was going to do while he lived on this earth. Amen. Now, he did what he needed to do. He complied with what he needed to comply with. But I want to tell you, he had a mission. And that mission affects us today. Praise God for it. Amen. Amen. So we want to just keep walking with him. Keep praising him. Keep praising him. Keep praising him. And have the right kind of influence on those God brings in your life. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We do praise you. Ask you to help us with these things in every aspect of our, our journey. We are yours. We want to represent you well. We don't always do it. We mess up. We, we've done things. We will do things. I just pray that you will help us be clear and that we would, we would confess ourselves when those things are brought to light or whatever they may be and that we would just continue to throw our imperfections upon you, our flaws upon your faithfulness, our corruption upon your confidence, and that, Lord, we're going to give you the glory and the praise for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's been a lot of things going on in my life that went the way that I wanted them to go, and they turned out bad. Anybody ever had that happen? Then things went in ways that I didn't want them to go and they turned out a whole lot better than I thought they would. That ever happen? Look. Jeremiah chapter 17. The scripture says that even in the midst of a drought. God is able to supply the water needed to his people in the midst of it. When you plant it by the rivers of water. Amen. He can supply. That's just the thing. He can give you what you need. That's favor from the Lord. That's favor from the Lord. And I want to walk in his favor. I get out of it from time to time. I do silly stupid things. But I'm thankful that we got good, good examples like King David. Who, who would fall out and do, do crazy stuff. But then he'd come back to the Lord and God would just elevate him right back where he was. Amen. Again and again and again. Can't help but praise him for it. So don't let your mess ups mess you up. And don't let the mess ups of others mess you up. Amen.